The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Are you ready? From the Pod 617 Studios in Westwood, Massachusetts, it's the Boston Podcast with David Yaz and a rotating cast of characters from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. This is our f***ing city. Yes, sir. Thank you, Big Poppy. It is our city. It's where we live. It's the place we cherish. And whether you are headed down to the Cape for a barbecue, or maybe you're stuck in traffic somewhere and... Route 24, Route 128, or Route 93, or some such route. Dude, it's cool because you're listening to the Boston Podcast, Boston's own, only, pardon me, Boston's only independent daily podcast Monday through Friday that I've ever heard of. There could be more. That's my constant disclaimer. But you know what, you people, you haven't let me know. So until then, I am standing on that mountain, planting my flag and saying, this is the only daily podcast in Boston. Joan Harris, do you know of any other daily podcast in Boston? I do not. She does not. By the way, my guest is Joan Harris. That would be weird if it wasn't. And I was just kind of talking to myself or perhaps referring to the Mad Men character by the same name, which is not you, Joan. You're a cooler uh, Joan Harris. There's nothing wrong with her. She's fictional, though. Joan Harris is here. She's my guest today. On the Boston Podcast, the capacity crowd is on their feet, per usual, here in Westwood at our studios, pod617.com. By the way, I'll mention in the spirit of blatant, unashamed, unabashed salesmanship, if you would like your own podcast, that's what we do here. We produce it here at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, with some very nice studios located conveniently just a couple miles off of Route 128 in Westwood, Massachusetts. Did you find the place, okay, John? Easily. Yeah. And it's uh, just a couple miles off the highway, although there are a couple of lights in there that are a little troubling, I I must admit. Westwood, get your act together. Uh, So Joan is an elder care consultant. I've known Joan for at least a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. It seems like we've known each other forever. I know. And we've we've done, uh, you know, just in the professional networking circles, I've gotten to know a little bit about what Joan does. And as we like to do, we play a game called Good Stuff. So let's do uh, let's do some good stuff. Oh, that's the good stuff. Joan, would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first? Your choice. You go ahead. I'll go ahead. All right. So, what I, my good stuff today has to do with comedian Amy Schumer. So, her special on Netflix is called "Growing," and it's because she is pregnant. And so, I saw, I saw her. I assume as the as of the recording of this podcast, she's still pregnant. But I saw her about a month ago. She was at the Ar- Regent Theater in Arlington. Maybe I have to check that. Anyway, I think that's what it was. But so she's got a whole bit about being pregnant and everything. But what I took particular interest in is she talks about her husband and how he's on the autism spectrum. And normally people in the special needs community like me, people can get really uh, sensitive about if you're going to make jokes about people with special needs. And I always say it's not so much whether you make jokes, you know, connected to the special needs world. It's what is the joke? Like if the joke is like there was a a meme going around that said the reason why Donald Trump cut uh, aid to the Special Olympics is because his sons didn't make the team. And so at first that's kind of like, oh, that's funny. But when you think about it, it, it what the joke is saying is 
uh, the Trump sons are idiots, just like the people who compete in the Special Olympics. And mm. so that's not okay. So don't tell that joke. Don't spread that meme. They're not idiots. And by the way, Special Olympics is awesome. And my, my son competes in it. And so many people volunteer their time and do excellent work with that. So you get it. So that one's bad. However, what Amy Schumer does is sort of point out the sort of lovable aspects of her husband that are in inherent in his being on the autism spectrum. Like he kind of doesn't have um, as much of a filter as others and kind of sees things in, in black and white. And so I'm going to mangle this story, but it was something along the lines of they were having dinner with another couple and Amy Schumer said, oh, um, I love that blue dress on you, Sandy, or whatever. And the husband says, uh, no, Amy, you told me that you hate it when she wears that dress and she looks fat in that dress. And he's just saying this because he does, he, he has no sense of, you know, decorum. And um, so she kind of flips out. And it's just that to me is funny because like um, a kid with autism, person with autism, wouldn't necessarily have the same hung up on all the same, you know, social, you know, uh, norms that we do. So I can rec I haven't even watched the whole Netflix special because I saw the stand up live, but she is, um, she's as hilarious as ever. And as you can guess, she makes jokes about how huge she is and, and things like that. So she continues to do it. So check it out. Netflix, Amy Schumer growing now for a much more cultured, uh, take on good stuff. Uh, we go to Joan, who asked, you're going to tell us about this awesome book, right? So recently, uh, I was at um, my national conference for Aging Life Care Association and heard an incredibly inspirational speaker, Greg O'Brien, who is a Chatham uh longtime renowned journalist who is chronicling his own journey with Alzheimer's and his book is called mm. On Pluto, A Journey Through Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And he, it's incredibly inspirational and he is doing incredible work creating awareness. Every 60 seconds, somebody is being diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. It is a tsunami that is coming mm. and we must invest more in research we must take away the stigma. So if if I can leave with just one thought out there, don't ever uh, s say to yourself, well, what do you expect? Mom is getting old. If you have any concern that your parent may be having some cognitive impairment, we can help you sort that out through the appropriate assessment because there's so much we can do if we can catch things earlier and support people. Um, and Greg is doing just an amazing job through his tremendous difficulty yeah. in his battle in speaking all over the country. And his book is now international, and I highly recommend it. Awesome. Greg, ha Greg O'Harris? O'Brien. Greg O'Brien. Okay. I wrote it down wrong on the big board. <laughs> Shame on me. Uh, Greg O'Brien on Pluto. Did you actually read the hard copy book or did you listen to the audio book? So he signed a copy Ooh. at my conference oh, and so I'm cool. making my way through it. But it's not a book you rush through. It's right. beautifully written. So I'm working my way. So cool. Hi, everybody. I'm Chami Perel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you, whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. 
if a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head. Literally, pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Go to pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride Podcast. The hilarious show known as Shawshanked. And the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. We know that I talk about special needs and elder care a lot on this show. Uh, My son has autism and a lot of these sort of dynamics cross over. So Joan helps people and an elder care consultant means a lot of different things, I think, which we're going to find out. Or does it only mean one or two things, Joan? Oh, it means many things. It means many. <laughs> so let's start. Let's start right at the top. Um, tell me, it's it, we. You hear talk about elder care all the time because our greatest generation is aging. Or I, I think Tom Brokaw called it the greatest generation, whatever generation it is. But there are just simply a lot more elderly people than they used to. People are living longer, mm-hmm. right? Right. And. What's that billboard that says the first person to live 150 years has already been born? Mm. It's definitely not me. I could tell you that. But that apparently is true, which is just weird. Um, yeah, our children are expected to live over to be over 100. It's not unusual. It's common. Oh, now. boy. Yeah. Well, I won't be. Griffin, Adrian, good luck, kids. I won't be around. <laughs> um, Griffin, take care of your brother. Uh, so, Joan... Yeah, tell me in a nutshell what what you do, and then I want to get into some of the more particulars, but tell me what you do. Sure. So as a private consultant, I am a social worker, and I have worked pretty much over many, many years, 35 years, in every area um, where you would find older adults, whether that be state-funded home care, nursing homes, hospital discharge planning, retirement communities, private home care. And you acquire a body of knowledge about all of these different environments where people are struggling and because they're uninformed. Mm-hmm. And so we used to be called geriatric care managers. Mm. Um, we're nationally certified, and our organization is called the A- Aging Life Care Association. So we are called Aging Life Care Professionals. I call myself a care manager. I think it's a little simpler. And what I do is different for each unique family and client. Um, What's important to know about care managers is we don't work for any entity except the senior. They are our only client. So we have standards of practice, code of ethics, and we look at that overused word, holistically at the whole Mm. client, do an assessment and come up with a plan based on whatever is happening with that client. So for example, I may jump in that somebody calls me because mom is being discharged inappropriately, unsafely home, and there's no supports in place. And I'm going to run to the ER, I'm going to run to the hospital, put my hand up and say, hold on, we need to get a safe plan in place, set things up, get mom stable and then start to look at what are her options, what's happening, what disease states, what's her financial situation, and really look with the supporting the family is supporting the client at what are the goals here mm-hmm. for the unique 
circumstances of this individual. Do they have dementia? Do they have some type of medical mobility issue that's making them unsafe at home? And we come up with a plan. And we can do as little or as much as people need us to. We can implement the plan or we can act as a coach. So the typical call you get will mm-hmm. be from, I'm going to guess, children, adult These children. Adult children. Right. Right. And adult child calls you and says, I heard you were the person to talk to, Joan. Right. My mom or my dad or whatever right. is, you know, um, we really need, we don't have a plan here. Right. And what health is deteriorating maybe, like you say, maybe it's right. dementia. Tell me more of what, like, what a typical call would sound like. That would be a typical call. Okay, mom, yeah. Because... People don't come to us because things are going well. People come to us because maybe there's a mental health history. And right. People don't say, Dad's super healthy, but he's a pain in the ass. Can you get him to move out of my house? That's no. right. No, it's so <laughs> they really need to have good information so they can make good decisions. And we can really be strategic and, mm-hmm. and educate clients and their families about not only the resources and what's available – for their profile and what's going to be helpful, but to sometimes to work around the, the resistance. For example, part of a dementing illness, whether it's Alzheimer's or some other type of cognitive impairment, is people are not in denial. They actually can't see their own deficits. Right. So therefore, well, I don't need any help because I'm fine. And you know, meanwhile, the stove's being left on. They're not taking their meds appropriate. They've had a fall. Um, so educating children to stop banging their head against a wall in, in terms of trying to convince mom and dad but or mom and how to work around that to be respectful but also to understand that mom no longer has the judgment and we respectfully have to frame things in a way that is acceptable. And so we do a lot of teaching and coaching and you know, having been around for many years, I have vetted partners, so I build a team. Yeah. So one of the reasons I'm so excited to be here today is because I'm sure there are many reasons. There's time, a lot time, of reasons. Time does not permit us to it's go into true. all there's of them. Just but so go ahead. Many Give us list. some highlights. <laughs> um, but one of the my my mission, so mm-hmm. to speak, is to try and get to people before that typical client phone call when things are already going wrong. Mm-hmm. I want to get to people a little younger, to get them to start thinking about what is their plan, what what are their goals, what are their health issues, and start to work more towards prevention right. versus most of what we do is jumping into crisis. So I have a anecdote. Before I get to that anecdote, I usually don't do this in the course of a podcast, but I just realized I didn't offer you anything to drink. I'm good. Which coffee, coffee no. water? No? Okay. I'm good. Thank you, if you so need, much. If you need a beverage, we want to keep you hydrated. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Anyway, we care about you as well, Joan. Just I like appreciate you, you that. <laughs> just like you care about your clients. So, what I was going to say was uh, I have a, a good friend that I've known since I was mm, 17 years old and saw him recently. And saw his dad. It was like a big gathering. It was like a neighborhood kind of thing he was having. And a bunch of people around, uh, kind of like a block party. Neighborhood block party is Mm -hmm. what it was. And I see the dad and I say hi. And he gives me a big hi. He's got a huge smile on his face. Comes over and we start hanging out for a while. And at some point, um, he says to me, do you like my hat? He was wearing a Navy hat. And I said, yeah, that's really cool. And he said, well, I, I couldn't let you wear it. Unless you were in the Navy. Were you in the Navy? And I said, 
you know I wasn't in the Navy, right, Mr. So-and-so? Because, you know, you, you know, me and your son have been friends since we're 17. And he looks at me and he goes, you know my son? And he had for, completely forgotten who I was. And I yeah. think he knew who I was 15 minutes earlier mm-hmm. when he said hi to me. And I turned to my buddy's wife and said, you know, uh, when I had a moment aside with her and said, you know, he's kind of losing it, huh? And she says, oh, God, you have no idea. But what, what, what was a little disturbing to me was he didn't know. Like, he, he was just having a nice day out yeah. in the sun and chit-chatting. And, and so that, like you said, unaware, people unaware mm-hmm. of their limitations and, you know, um, that, that, does that happen a lot? Happens a lot. And so what we want is we don't want families trying to bring dad to where they are. Don't you remember dad um, is really not helpful. It just makes people feel badly. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't change the fact that they're not able to come into what our reality is. We have to go where they are. Mm-hmm. So... The Alzheimer's Association, for example, Dr. Paul Rea, who really was groundbreaking um, with others there in terms of changing how we work with people who have some type of cognitive impairment, where it's called habilitation therapy, which means we mm-hmm. can't rehabilitate. Um, it we, we have to look at where people are and how can we optimize their quality of life. Right. So... When you see that gentleman again, yeah. it really is all about the emotions in the moment. Mm-hmm. Happy to see him, happy to talk to him, but where he knew you or doesn't know you or what generation, none of that really matters. Mm-hmm. It's really about the relationship and people with a cognitive impairment are very aware of and can read emotions right? and really can enjoy, and it doesn't really matter that they know who you are, where you, where, you know, that what age group that you're part of. What matters is that you're sitting there enjoying the day with them. Which is great, but then, you know, obviously you worry that that guy's going to just kind of get on a bus and forget where he was going. Right? So the family in that situation really mm-hmm. could use a good consultation mm-hmm. where they would be able to talk about the things that they're concerned about and struggling with, and a plan could be put in place to make sure that this gentleman is being optimized. He's had a workup. He's medically optimized. There's, they've ruled out all the physical reasons for a cognitive impairment. And that he's safe in his current environment. And if his goal is to keep him there, what are the resources and supports that they need to look at to make sure he remains safe and has the best quality of life, which could be private care. It could be bubble packs for his medications. It could be an adult day program. It's all about building their awareness and understanding so they can sleep at night and then helping them plan if there is a dementing illness what's available down the road mm-hmm. so that's a good a good case good example, example. Yeah, yeah yeah well give us give us one that you've dealt with give us an example of and obviously we're going to preserve your client's confidentiality so don't mention names but can you think of a, an exemplary story of how you kind of came in working with the family that was in dire straits and kind of came out on the other side feeling that at least they had a good plan in place? So it's what there's a particular family that comes to mind that I worked with over a period of years that kind of illustrates how 
we get involved and we're on this journey with our, our clients as they go through different stages of illnesses and um, good stable periods where everything is good and things happen and how our role is that we can monitor, but we can also then step in at any moment when uh, things change. Mm -hmm. So a, a example would be a, a married couple that I worked with um, and they were in the home and the gentleman was his wife's caregiver. She had Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And she had some other medical issues that were stable at the time. Um, he had a really difficult time with the whole idea that we just talked about, about kind of going where she is. He When she would, there's a term called sundowning, where okay. sometimes people get confused as part of their dementing illness. Not everyone, but some people. In the afternoon, they get more confused. Okay. And he, she would think that he was her father. Right. And she, he would spend the afternoon trying to convince her that it was him. Oh, boy. And would even show his license to her. Right. And she would go in the other room and try and call him and say, can you come pick me up? I'm at my dad's house. Wow. And it was just, you know, a really difficult situation. He was leaving her alone. She shouldn't be alone. And so we were able to build in, along with a wonderful children that were out of state. And that would be really typical that we're stepping in and being boots on the ground, eyes and ears, and reporting to concerned family members. So the, this gentleman really needed um, more than just being in his longtime home without his wife. We brought him to a trusted elder law attorney, made sure that globally all his documents and finances and long-term planning were done. And he moved to a wonderful retirement community where he had companionship and friends and activities. And they drove him three times a week to see his wife, who he was very connected with still. And unfortunately, then he became ill and I helped to manage his um, medical care. And it was really clear at this point, and this is four years down the road into our relationship and managing both the married couple, mm -hmm. um, that he was not going to be able to resume his life in the retirement community. In fact, he needed to be on hospice care. And he wanted to see his wife, and she had not been out of the nursing home for a couple of years. Right. Um, and I was able with the team, with the nurse manager, to bring his wife to the hospital. Oh, wow. To see him. And it was such a, a, a memorable moment for yeah. me because um, it didn't matter how old she thought she was or he was. She, he was her husband and yeah. she was there with him and he was able to be comfortable and at, at peace. And so we're often just on that journey with people through many different levels of care, making sure they have the best supports, the best vetted partners that we can build into their team, and just to kind of be there throughout that whole end-of-life journey is really a lot of what we do. Yeah. It seems like the kind of thing that can really sneak up on people because it people put off things like their estate plan, mm, um, absolutely. and they shouldn't, right. but... But there's such a but when a, a parent falls ill, it's such a uh, kind of line in the sand moment where it's like we got to act right now. And unfortunately, most people haven't planned. 
Right. And I hear so many so many stories from my contemporaries whose parents are aging that it unfortunately just takes over your life. So to have right. a, a quarterback like you must be, you know, at least um, a relief to people. And it is because we're um, we're not we don't have legal authority. We it's really a partnership. Mm-hmm. So it's such an honor. People let us into their lives. We build trust. We build a relationship. Sometimes we're only doing certain pieces of work, and then people, they got it, and they're good right. to go. But there's no such thing as a closed case. So I might hear from someone a year later who says, gee, things have changed. You know, can you come back in? And so we're, once we know people, we're always there for them, and they you can utilize us in whatever way is helpful to them. Right. Right. Um, so cool. Talking with Joan Harris. So, by the way, you get in touch with Joan at aginglifecare.org and you would go search. It'll say like search for a professional find or a something. Find a care manager and find Joan Harris. You can e- actually, she has her own website. I should mention that symphonycaremanagement.com. I'm not going to spell that because my listeners are smart. You know how to spell the word symphony and care and management. And if you want to email Joan, get in touch with her. She's the kind of person that she is, uh, as you can tell, super easy to talk to and very helpful. And when you hit that crisis moment, when you need somebody, uh, shoot her an email, joan at symphonycaremanagement.com. So we've got a couple minutes left in the hour here. Um, Do you want to hear a fun story? Oh, yes. Okay. We do have time for a fun story. So just just to understand that care managers, we do whatever's needed. And I had a client who who lived alone in a basement apartment and had dementia, had no family. Mm -hmm. Her financial planner had actually made the referral. She didn't take care of herself, but she took wonderful care of her cat. (laughs) And so her cat, Peanut, was still in the apartment after she was safely in a wonderful assisted living for people with memory impairment. And Mm. I, not being a cat person, had to get Peanut out of the apartment. (laughs) And so I text my boss, who's a cat person, I said, what do I do? The cat is jumping off the counters and saw the crate, and what do I do? So it was winter. She said, put your your coat on backwards and put your gloves on, and I'm walking around the apartment. The cat (laughs) is not getting in the crate. So she comes over. The cat's under the couch. We flip the couch over. She grabs the cat jams the cat into the crate. Then I take the cat to the vet who where we're going to board, and there's a sign on the door that says, in surgery. doesn't say when surgery is going to be over. It doesn't say when she's going to be available. doesn't say back in five minutes. No. Surgery could take a long time. Yikes. (laughs) So I drive, I'm driving around with Peanut in the back of my car. (laughs) Meow, meow. Peanut's like, what's going on? Who are you, strange woman? Long story short, I brought the client to see Peanut. We took lots of pictures with Peanut. Many assisted living allow cats and dogs. In this particular situation, it wasn't going to be beneficial, so I made a nice big collage of of her with with her cat and uh, took Peanut off to the MSPCA. And I'm sure Peanut found a good home. But it's just an example that... We just do whatever needs to be done. Yeah, and can it, be unpredictable. It, it can challenge us in in interesting ways, and that certainly was a challenge for me that yeah. day. Yeah, and so Peanut got taken care of. Yes, absolutely. Wow, excellent. See, uh, <laughs> inspirational stories here on the Boston Podcast. Not only did the people get helped, but Peanut gets home. Yeah. So, um, did you have fun, Joan? I hope so. This was very fun. Oh, cool. Thank well, you. we'll have to have you back sometime again. Uh, connect with Joan, joan at symphonycaremanagement.com. 
Um, we've only scratched the surface of a lot of the ways that she helps people in terms of elder care. And, you know, if you're like me, the moments, mom, dad, no offense, the moment's coming for you too. I know you're with it right now, but I'm going to have to be helping you um, probably pretty soon as, as the years go by. And Joan is just this great uh, quarterback when it comes to handling all the litany of problems. Even if you've got a cat named Peanut who you don't know what to do with, then the cat's running around, and then mom's sick, and oh my god, the the um, you know the uh, it's like the waves crashing up against the flood wall. Um, that's where Joan comes in. Am I right? Absolutely. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, thank you for listening to the Boston Podcast. If you like this podcast, I encourage you to share it with a friend or a colleague. It's easy. Whatever you're listening on, just hit that button that says share. Share it with someone tell people about this podcast spread the love and if you'd like your own podcast go to pod617.com you can listen to all our cool podcasts and you can get in touch with us find out how we can produce a show of your own right here at our studios in westwood mass on behalf of joan harris this is david yes i'm just a guy from boston but if you're not from boston you must be the other guy <laughs>